This show is sponsored by Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows and your favorite anime anytime, anywhere on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. I think that was the weird thing for me about Dragon Ball Evolution. Yes, that movie was a steaming pile. But to go back Mm. to the reason of why it was a steaming pile, it was like they couldn't commit to the source material. They didn't want to commit to what the anime was. And, and let's face it, for most of us, one of the reasons why we love anime is that it's outrageous. heard the song May I Help You from the anime Servant X Service by the artists Aikayano, Mai Nakahara, and Aki Toyosaki. And you are listening to the 190th session of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where our sole mission is and always will be to make your anime addiction worse. Like butter. That was like butter, let me tell you. Butter. Butter. So Cram here, and with me is the lovely Chiaki. Oh, you think I'm lovely, Cram? Yeah, you're all right. Oh, I'm all right? I, I went from lovely to mm. all right? Uh, you're perfect in every way. You've got the hair of an angel. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, uh, please uh, drop us a review on iTunes if you want to help us out. Uh, you can find us always at www.aaapodcast.com. And again, on iTunes, you can drop us a review. Recently, we've been reading five-star reviews on the air, so... If you would like to drop us a five-star review and write a couple little sentences about uh, what you think of the show, um, we might read it on the air. We love to read them on the air, actually. I love to read, just in general. Literacy is fun. It's great. So giving me more things to read, I mean, you're helping me out in more ways than you can imagine. Uh, You can also find us at uh, Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, and on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash AAA podcast or you can just search for us at sign AAA podcast where we're posting pictures from our adventures in Japan and things anime related and just Japan related in general Uh, lots of fun stuff going up there lots and lots of fun stuff and you can always find us live at 9 30 p.m. EST on Saturday nights on ustream.tv just search for anime addicts anonymous podcast and you'll find us or AAA podcast bringing the anime love to your Saturday nights so uh the aforementioned five-star review that I will be reading, or actually, I'm going to let Chiaki read this one. Oh, I get to read it? Yeah, go for it. I'm literate, too. <laughs> the original Macau writes, 
I've been listening to this show for a long time and enjoy it thoroughly. Anyone looking for fair reviews and some good old-fashioned fun will enjoy this podcast. They've made my anime addiction worse, and I hope they do the same for you. We hope we do the same for all of you, too. That's wonderful. It is wonderful. And we have 50 new forum members. 50? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I misread uh, that zero as a 50. Uh, Zero new Dun, 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 dun. This that's the that's the what's it called the death knell, right? The death knell on this podcast. No, no forum members in a week. I'm so disappointed. You guys are slacking. We do we do our side of the the bargain. We 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 accomplish what we set out to do. That's right. We're we're sitting right here in this room that's kind of hot. And I don't think this. it's that hot. It's actually not that hot. We have an air conditioner. Yay! The trivia. Uh, from this week, how many correct answers did we have? Do you know? Not, not very many. We not only had many. like four or five, something like that. Yeah. Looks like, th- I guess three. Oh, th- it says three. three yeah, yeah, we had three. My my attempt at making it bone crushingly difficult has succeeded. I'm so happy because before we were getting like fifteen or something like that, fifteen to twenty at a time. Yeah. Oh. So the answer was uh, Nadia's secret of blue water. And the correct answers were from Cool Manio, Green Tango, and Zin One. The week's winner is Cool Manio, and the month's winner is Akai Tenshi. And the next theme is uh, ponytails. Ponytails. <laughs> ponytails. Ponytails. It's kind of like a fairy tale, but with a pony. Where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. My mommy tells me. By the way, um, welcome to the forums. Soccer Saiyan is many happy and Maros because all of you guys joined like yesterday. Oh, so, so we didn't actually have zero. Okay. We didn't actually have zero. So you guys came through for us. Thank you. I take back all of that death knell stuff. I'm 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 a fool. I should have known better. We uh, should have we should have had more faith in you and yeah. know that it was uh, it, it was our error. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was our mistake. Silly well, of us. Of course it always is, right? Uh, we have a couple of new figures on the table today. Uh, and Yay. one of them, uh, Chiaki, really earned. She didn't just buy it. She earned it. Well, well, we I, I told the story last time, so you can... Oh, that's right. You did. I wasn't here. I, I was absent last week. Um, you were absent from the class. I hope you right. got the notes from someone. I did. Uh, I got my makeup work finished. Thank okay. You. Yes. Um, but actually, the figure I brought today is uh, this one right here. If you're watching live, this is Mr. Trunks. Mr. Super Saiyan Trunks. He looks really cool. Yeah. I think it's awesome, by the way, that Trunks has a sword. Yeah, man. Although I always thought it was kind of silly that he did, to be honest. Like, it's it's awesome, but does he need it? No, but it's cool. <laughs> like, and then he can make jokes that he never makes. Like, hey, baby, you want to see my sword? <laughs> no, really, I have a sword. And she's, like, calling the police. And he's like, no, literally, it's right here. Literally, it's it's on my back. Uh, we are going to be reading from our AAA mailbag. What does AAA stand for again? An almighty anime mailbag. Wow, that's amazing. That it is super cool. We're we're super we're super <laughs> smart at this though. We're, our smart makers work <laughs> really well. We can our make alliterations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our first uh, mailbag comes from Ryan Spence, and he writes. Hello, everyone from AAA Podcast. I was wondering who are your favorite Japanese slash anime music artists and who is the one you can absolutely not stand? Anyways, I listened to this week's live broadcast and I love you guys and I'll give you a big fat panda hug 10 out of 10 and I can't wait for your next broadcasting. I like 
like, oh my God, panda hug. Actually, you know what, guys? Unrelated to everything that, that this question asks, Cram gives really good hugs. He gives really good panda hugs. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> um, I can't stand any Japanese artist that sounds like a squeaky five-year-old girl. Like those... <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of AKB48. Oh, I hate them. I can't. I, mm. Okay, I don't hate them. Hate's a really strong it is a, word. It is a strong word. But if I listen to one of their songs, it might get stuck in my head, but I don't enjoy the experience. I think for me, uh, AKB48 is one of those things where more than the music, I don't like the people who listen to the music or the culture surrounding mm-hmm. the band. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't mind. Some of the songs that I've heard, I, I don't like, but I don't mind. My my dislike for them comes definitely from from the people who follow them and yeah. things like that. It's the fandom that turns you off. Kind of like yeah. Doctor Who for me. Um, my favorites, I love Nana Mizuki. I love Califina. I love Lark NCL, though I know they're they're kind of they're they're the old older person band mm. now. Um, but I still I still love them. Lark NCL, Califina, Nana Mizuki. Um, I, Ali Project, I think they normally produce really, really good stuff. I listen to really weird Japanese music and much older, much older. I love... Uh, like, hap- like Shamisen? Not that old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Happy End and uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra and the Poly Six and uh, what? a band apart. Uh, Asian Kung Fu Generation, which is actually pretty yes. new. Yes, okay. I, good. You, we're on the same page there. Uh, Number Girl is good. And I, I do enjoy some Maximum the Hormone from time to time. Kron in our chat pointed out TM Revolution. Also like them. Yeah. There, there's a lot of them that I like. Any... I just like no matter what language it is in I just like artists that I feel actually have some degree of talent. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I want them to be catchy as hell. Yeah. I want them to be like the, that song that you just put on repeat for two hours when you clean the house. I'm going to introduce you to Happy End. OK. They're really awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Everyone for go listen to Happy End. You, you will not be sorry. So we have another mailbag comment slash question slash written thing. From Icy Rose, would you like to read this one? Sure. Go for it. Icy Rose writes, hello, everyone. A few years ago, a friend of mine was doing a research assignment on morality in anime and asked me what series I could think of that focused on moral issues. At the time, I mentioned Death Note and Monster due to the moral choices of their leads being what I thought to be a major driving point of their respective plots and since have been interested in anime that have some sort of central morality theme or ethical dilemma. In your opinion, what series do you think uh, do you think this well? Do you think this is well? And which ones do you think could have done a good job but ended up failing? I would cite uh, Shiki as a series that presented a good moral conflict, while um, while recently Suisei no Gargantia as one that fell flat on its face. There is one answer to this question. There's one. Okay. Freezing. <laughs> <laughs> The, your your moral I got jokes and jokes and jokes. <laughs> your moral dilemma is if you watch more than thirty seconds, are you definitely going to right, hell yes. or only kind no, of going to hell? You're definitely going. You might even be driving the bus, <laughs> and it is a short bus. Uh, I think the two that that you pointed out, Icy Roads, Death Note, and Monster, are great examples. I think a lot of the space operas are going to have moral ethical issues because they're the, so like. St- Sociopolitical, yeah, always <laughs> exactly. So, I think there are definitely, or uh, one that comes to mind that is you know, 
not okay it's not space opera but it's big robot that type of thing is code geass mm-hmm. because then there's you could have the ethical implications of when he uses his geass there's all of the territory things that are going on and and whatnot now and then here and there of yeah. course has a ton of any anime obviously any anime that deals with with war with conflict right. with with people dying is going to have a lot of those ethical questions and if it doesn't and if it doesn't have those questions there's probably something wrong with it yeah one that i think maybe kind of falls flat or or doesn't do as well as it could have is trigun i'm actually Mm -hmm. gonna say trigun the main character vash the stampede is is the pacifist and he's all i'm not gonna kill people because everyone has a right to live blah 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 my brother blah 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 and it definitely feels more like a superficial morality it Mm. feels that he just doesn't do it and it's investigated to some degree and that he's pushed to points that that he's backed up against a corner and it's like you kill someone or they're going to kill someone else moments like that but i think the reason why i say it falls flat is that it just i just feel like Aside from one or two select episodes, it doesn't get enough enough development to really be the the central focus of the show. I think a, a show that actually does it pretty well that that uh, gets into morality and ethics is uh, Eden of the East. Yes, that's a I good think it one. Does a, a really good job of kind of analyzing what that means, you know, at the individual level and what it means on a more macro level, like yeah. looking at looking at society as a whole. This could be its own topic, like it really, morality and You know, I now that I'm thinking about it, because I'm we thinking probably of, should do of this. Eve, no, <laughs> Eve No G-Con, which is another good example yeah. of, of robots and, and morality and things. Thank, thank you, Icy Rose. Maybe this will become a topic. Maybe it needs to. Maybe yeah. it needs to be a topic. So uh, we are going to take a, a little news break, a little anime news break and when we come back we're going to be talking about Pacific Rim and anime's influence on uh, western entertainment and pop culture and um, and things that we watched for fun so uh, stick with us and we'll see you on the other side bike gang kings out there this is chiaki and this is your anime news break first up warner entertainment japan has recently posted a message and photo to its twitter account this past week that the company gave pacific rim director gilmoro del toro copies of both puella magi madoka magica movies on blu-ray disc these films came out here in japan just this past month on july 24th the twitter post adds del toro has a good facial expression it couldn't be that in the near future there might be a Hollywood live-action adaptation. Oh my goodness! While I think that might be a little hope, much to hope for, here's to hoping that he a- does actually enjoy the films. Del Toro recently visited Japan's man-made Odaiba Island with Pacific Rim actress, actress Rinko Kikuchi and Mana Ashida. While there, Del Toro visited the life-size Gundam model for the first time, and I'm something tells me he probably had fun there. In other news, for those of you who are fans of the digital diva and their games, 
Sega America has begun streaming a trailer on YouTube for its release of Hatsune Miku Project Diva F on the PlayStation 3. The trailer featured Kurosawa's P's Senbonzakura song for Hatsune Miku with costumes designed by Itomaru. Junkie's melancholic song for Kagamine Rin with costume design by Chiho and Kurosapi's Acute for Hatsune Miku, Megurune Luka, and Kaito with costume design by Moka Ichio. So there are a lot of fan favorites that are there in that trailer for you to go enjoy. In other news relating to conventions, staff at the Otakon 2013 convention in Baltimore has confirmed that the convention drew 34,142 paid attendees over the weekend. Unconfirmed numbers previously estimated 34,000 attendees, so their estimation was pretty good. Otakon staff member Terry Chu stated that conventions surpassed last year's attendance on the first day. And that's not the only convention that's out there being record-breaking. Comic Market 84, or Comic-K, has reported an attendance of 590,000 people, over half a million, over the course of three days this past weekend here in Japan. The total tops the record of 56,000 held since summer of 2009, which was Comic-K 76. So that goes to show you that here in Japan, people really love their doujinshi. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Wow, I'm caught up on all my anime for this season's reviews. How'd you get all that stuff watched? I thought you were like 30 episodes behind. I've been watching anime on the train on the way to work. How are you watching anime on the train? iPhone? Oh, I've been using Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus? Plus, what's that? We're sure you've tried Hulu.com, but we want to tell you about Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere. Stream it on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. Why just stand in line or ride a train and stare at your feet? You could be watching your favorite anime on Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus is a great way to binge watch your favorite shows. Hulu Plus has tons of episodes from great anime series like Attack on Titan, One Piece, Naruto Shippuden, A Certain Scientific Railgun, and thousands of other shows. Hulu Plus is only $7.99 a month. That's $7.99 for all the shows and movies you can watch. Catch up to current shows, binge on an old favorite, or catch a great movie. You can do it all on Hulu Plus. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus for a couple weeks free on us when you go to aaapodcast.com and click the Hulu Plus banner or go to huluplus.com forward slash anime. Please make sure you use huluplus.com forward slash anime so you get an extended free trial and so they know that we sent you. It helps us keep the lights on and gives you a better deal. One more time for the extended free trial, huluplus.com forward slash anime. And welcome back to the 190th session of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. We're going to get into our main topic right now, and it's a, it's a doozy. It's a, a doozy. It's a good one, and I'm so sad that Mitsuki's not here to, to enjoy this with us. I don't... 
I am sad that he doesn't get to express his opinion. I will express it for but, him. But part of me, part of me is happy not to, to have to sit right there between you boys <laughs> bickering like an old married couple. That's, it would devolve uh, into that, I believe. But um, we are going to be talking about the newest film by uh, director Guillermo del Toro. And uh, that would be Pacific Rim. And hopefully people listening have seen the movie because we're probably going to spoil the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, this this is one of those things that I'm going to be be Japanese mm-hmm. and, and do our loophole of our own rules. We, we try to be spoiler free on our anime reviews. Yes. But this isn't a review and it's not an anime. So everything is fair game. That's right. But you know what? It's, it's one of those movies where it's like, if you've seen the trailer, you know. Yeah, the there's, there are no surprises, really. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be talking about Pacific Rim and kind of tagging that with, um, you know, anime's influence on Western pop culture and uh, entertainment media. Yeah, and stuff which like that. I think would be a, a sensible starting point because I think Pacific Rim is going to be something that we will be able to get on and run with mm. when we start talking about that. So, so maybe we should start by just looking at a broad overall influence of anime and Western culture. Sure. So uh, I think that anime has, has kind of influenced Western entertainment art for, uh, for many years, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of been a slow build from the eighties when we first started getting stuff like, uh, like fist of the North star. And of course, you know, Akira came out um, in the late eighties. And uh, since then, you know, and we, we had that, that kind of anime boom in the late 90s, early 2000s that, that made it seem like anime was a legitimate phenomenon and maybe even uh, faddish, I, would, I, I might even say, at that time. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of had, uh, I think Pokemon <laughs> felt the same way at the time. Um, but it felt like a phase that people were just kind of going through. It's like, oh, this is the new big thing and it'll, it'll disappear. But, um, and to be fair, it did kind of do that it did kind of take a back seat but the influences have uh have remained and they're they're pretty clear yes um and i think that for the most part they are uh influences that have made western media better for the most part um but first let's talk about literal adaptations like just western adaptations of of japanese um anime and how they fare and how 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 the west handles that kind of uh, material. Obviously, the first thing that comes to mind for me is all of the all of the rights that have been purchased over the past. It, it really seems in the past, I'd say, two years, because it happened when when we were doing when we were doing this podcast, and and I feel like it all happened in the past two or three years, where all of these Hollywood studios suddenly started going. We're buying the rights to that. Mm-hmm. And all of these people started going, we're going to have the rights to that. And ironically enough, I feel like it actually started after the Dragon Ball movie, which was god awful. So bad. It was <laughs> It was just, if, if movies, if I had the film reel, I know movies are digital, but if I had the film reel, I would wipe my butt with it. That's how bad it was. But... I feel like all of that started for some reason, even after the Dragon Ball movie, despite the fact of how awful it was, where we started hearing about 
James Cameron wants to do Battle Angel Alita, and Leonardo didn't Leo Leo was involved in Akira. He right? was producing it. He was going to star in it too. Maybe. Yeah, Leo Leonardo DiCaprio is involved with Akira. We have. Uh, there's there's been talk what's, about what's his face. Twentieth Century Fox bought the rights to Cowboy Bebop. Yes, and there was and talk for Keanu years Reeves. about Keanu Reeves. Yeah, doing that. That's that's never going to happen, guys. Never going to happen. Um. But but all of these studios have have bought the rights and and they still have them. That's how movie rights work: is the studios can just sit on sit them, on them yeah. as long as they want, and that's the sound business decision to do. It is, but when when there's money on the table and you're just letting that property depreciate, yeah. you know, culturally, like the the way people think about it. I mean, if it's if it leaves the the public consciousness, that's money on the table that's just disappearing. So I think in some cases, you know, even going as far back as when uh, I guess it was Peter Jackson who was involved with uh, the Evangelion live action uh, adaptation. There, were, there was concept art that Weta Workshop did years and years ago. And I think Peter Jackson was in talks to direct it or something or maybe just Weta was involved. But either way, the concept art was really cool. And I remember thinking that that might happen and then it didn't. You know, one of the things that I love about what this says, though, is that we have big name people here. These aren't these aren't people who are random producers from Cubicle 4C of the Warner Brothers Tower mega giant who just say, Oh well, today I'm supposed to acquire rights to something new. This this Japanime stuff is pretty popular. I'm gonna just get a right. Like these. What voice is that? <laughs> that's that's my producer what, voice. What brilliance did you just stumble upon? Crip, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh no, we should just do the rest of the podcast like this. But uh, it. it these are big name people. These are people who are incredibly, undeniably influential in the the Western world of Hollywood. And these people have interest in this. And it's not just someone is telling them to do this. Someone is, and I'm not saying in all the cases or 100% of the time, but for most of them, it's not that someone is, is walking up to them and saying, here, you're going to do this movie about this show called Cowboy Bebop. Figure it out. A lot of them have, like Keanu Reeves is supposed to love Cowboy Bebop. I've heard James Cameron is a big fan of Battle Angel Alita. And of course, it's big fan. How much do you really know? But I think the interesting thing is, is obviously if they like the media and have consumed the media, it's undeniably in the back of their heads right? Well, when they make anything else. And then you, you watch something like, like James Cameron's Avatar film, and it's so obvious that he is a big fan of anime. So it's so obvious, like from the design of the Navi to the to this. It's not necessarily clear in the story structure. There are, but there are mechs in that thing. There are even yeah. mechs, and you know, it's the story structure is Pocahontas. Like it's dances with wolves. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I think it's clear that it's that it's, it's influencing uh, filmmakers um, and you know, content creators, media entertain, uh, entertainment creators in the West. And I, I think that looking back, you can probably see that James Cameron has probably been a fan of anime for a long time. Like before anyone even realized what his what his influences were watching like the second Terminator film and uh, and and how he kind of pits those two, you know, superpowers against each other in a way that's very, very anime. Um, 
you know, it kind of kind of brings back uh, brings ideas again of Fist of the North Star and and how uh, Ken kind of wanders the land beating the shit out of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to do someday. I want to wander the land and just beat people. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to do that. Uh, but then there's, you know, of course, there's Old Boy, which granted is an Eastern adaptation. Like it's a Korean adaptation of a Japanese, a Japanese manga. manga. Right. And um, they, they are actually Spike Lee is doing the remake. Yeah. But I think his remake is a remake of the movie of the movie and not of the manga. Right. Um, Though I I want I want to assume that Spike Lee is a responsible director and he has at least read some of the manga mm -hmm. as the original source material. Mm -hmm. I, I can't say for sure, but I would like to assume that of him. I would like to assume that. You know, it would be like if you make a Game of Thrones movie and you only watch the TV show and you don't read the books as a director, it's it doesn't make sense to me to not at least acknowledge it. I think the filmmakers that are probably most guilty of letting the the anime influence show not not that they're guilty, but uh, <laughs> not that it's a bad thing. The but the Wachowski siblings. Um you know, for those of us who aren't savvy in the names of people in Hollywood, can you give a movie example or two? Oh, uh, the Matrix films. Oh, okay. Uh, and the the well, the Speed Racer adaptation. Go Speed Racer! I love that movie. I do too. That movie I think is it's so, so much fun. Oh my god! Like the poop poop jokes aside, <laughs> poop jokes aside, I think that movie is extremely successful at what it tries to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's really enjoyable. And I think that's a, a good example of when anime as an influence um, or as a literal adaptation is just done the right way. Like when when someone clearly understands the source material and they make something really special out of it. I think that's a really special movie. I think that was the weird thing for me about Dragon Ball Evolution to, to go back to. Yes, that movie was a steaming pile. But to go back mm. to the reason of why it was a steaming pile it was like they couldn't commit to the source material. They right. didn't want to commit to what the anime was. And and let's face it, for most of us, one of the reasons why we love anime is that it's outrageous. Mm -hmm. At least a lot of the anime that's going to be adapted into Hollywood films, it's outrageous. It's stupid. It's, it's what got so, mu so many of us into it, though, is it's yeah. something we had never seen before. Uh, and I think that that... That continues to be why, you know, anime is so interesting for so many people is that it's just so unlike anything else. Yeah. You know, in, in the rest of the world. Um, but so yeah. those are some literal adaptations. And one that I would be remiss to not even mention would be the monster TV show is going to air at some, some I point think this year or maybe next maybe. year. I, I don't know if they've even started shooting it. Um, well, either way, it's it's greenlit. Yeah. As far as I know. So they're going to be. Filming let's and hope, let's hope it works out. <laughs> I I think that one's going to be amazing. I'm not going to lie. It has the potential to be amazing. It's so western to begin with. Yeah. That, like the, the reason I think it'll succeed is the same reason I think a cowboy boot cowboy cowboy bebop movie would succeed if someone would just give it a chance, a real yes. chance. But um. Well, the thing about the monster TV show is unlike Cowboy Bebop, which have spaceships and distant planets, it's it's going to be cheap. Burr mm -hmm. to create you know a, another thing that I think is is kind of important to anime's influence is of course the, the depiction of the culture anime culture and anime fans and how how the west sees that whole you know niche because it is a niche 
Yeah. It's even a niche in Japan. Um, don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think a, a good example of that, um, how, how it can be done poorly, um, with all due respect to, oh, what's, his, what's the, the Tokyo Pop guy's name? Stu, Stu Levy. Uh, did you see America's Greatest Otaku? Oh, oh it, it's painful. Uh, <laughs> it is so painful to watch. <laughs> but I watched all of it. I watched every last episode. But I think that's, you know, I think that can be damaging to to how people see the culture and see the fandom and how much they allow it to influence them as artists. I mean, I, I think, you know, an, someone who might enjoy anime but only has a cursory knowledge of it and then they're exposed to something like America's Greatest Otaku. Or... Could turn them off. The Saturday Night quick. Live, J-Pop America, Fun Time Go. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because it's is. so easy to make fun of in that way. I, I think it can it can turn people off really quickly. That You, you showed me the, uh, the SNL thing recently yeah. and... It's also kind of painful to watch. Like, it's funny, but in that way that's like, I'm embarrassed for... (laughs) (laughs) I'm embarrassed for the people that... I don't know. Am I embarrassed for the comedians that are doing it or the people that they're making fun of? I don't know. It's just this pure empathetic embarrassment. For (laughs) myself, even, because let's face it, that's the... That's the depiction of anime fans. That's the depiction oftentimes that we get, and that's perpetrated because it's funny. And when something's funny, it gets put out there. But because there is that nugget of truth, and you can't deny that there is, isn't that nugget of truth, because we've met those people. Mm. We've met those people. Kurama-san. Konnichiwa. So kawaii. So kawaii. <laughs> Everything is Genki Des. Everything is Genki Des. How are you, Des? <laughs> and, and you've met those people, and... Love them or leave them, you have, and so they exist, and so they just they have a they have a problem in general of just being generally overzealous. Yes, which is it can be a virtue, it can be a good thing to be overzealous to 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 not have to hide the things that you love, but also to understand at what point you need to rein it in a little bit. Yes, um, for the sake of you know, you know, kind of a. I don't know what's the word lubricating social situations, <laughs> <laughs> but other other influences that maybe are obvious or maybe that are that are less literal, that are less of a literal. This was an anime slash manga, and we are going to adapt it. One of the ones that I grew up with that I loved was Code Lyoko. You, I, I never watched a lot of it. Something about it turned me off, but I, I guess I never gave it a fair shot. So I was a kid. I think it's a French show, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. But I, I loved Code Lyoko. I mean, granted, I was younger, so I'm sure mm-hmm. if I went back and I watched it now, I'd be like, oh, God. But I loved it when I was a kid. And if you had asked me at that point in my life, I would have just told you it was anime. Mm-hmm. I would have just told you, yeah, of course this came from 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 Japan or something like that because it has everything that you want to feel when you watch anime. It has it almost has that element of that it's dot hack. Yeah. You know, it 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 has that same kind of feeling of anime. And so that's definitely one that again, it's not it's not a it's not an anime, but 
you can see the similarities of what anime is in that show. Uh, you know, I, I think that going back and looking at the shows of my childhood, there are there are so many influences from anime that I didn't see then that I totally see now. Uh, a good example is uh, recently um, Cartoon Network put a bunch of their old shows up on Netflix. So I was just going through being like, oh, man, just having a nostalgia trip. And I put on an episode of Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, Dexter's Lab. And, you know, the the style, the kind of overblown anime-ish style in the show aside, the fact that he's piloting, like, giant robots and fighting mm-hmm. other giant robots and things like that in that show, it was so clear to me what I had been watching and, and had no idea at the time when I was a child. And, the, the you know, the other shows by uh, Gendy Tartakovsky, like uh, uh, Samurai Jack and, you know, oh, other shows Samurai by Jack's Craig McCracken, like Powerpuff Girls and all that stuff. I mean, those those are pretty obvious ones. But um, Powerpuff Girls is is like a magical girl series, really. Yeah. When, when it, it feels that way, doesn't it's it? It's magical girl without the transformation. That's mm. how Powerpuff Girls feel to me. Because it's just like. Powerpuff Girls is another one of those, though, that I went back and watched relatively recently. And there were a lot of jokes that I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I, how old was I when I watched this? Who's, who's the best villain? The little devil guy? Him? Is that his name? Him. Him? Oh, my God. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> he is so creepy. Kimoi. <laughs> Kimo. Kimo. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, of course, uh, there's copros like the, the West and the East have been working together a lot recently. And, um actually over the past 10 years or so kind of building up uh, these body of work, you know, between studios in in America or studios uh, in Canada and uh, and in Japan. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust was a co-pro. Little Nemo is kind of a a famous example of a co-pro gone bad. (laughs) Uh, At one point, uh, Miyazaki or Miyazaki and Takahata were, were involved in Little Nemo, but Apparently, they said it was the the worst professional experience of their careers and left <laughs> left the project. I that I, movie is kind of a mess. I think any oh don't it is it's a mess. How, how long has it been since you've seen it? It's so cute though. No, it's been. You need to watch it again. It's a mess. <laughs> but but I I think all of the Pixar films are another one of those influences examples because what's his what's his face the Pixar guy John Lasseter. I was going to say David Lasseter, John Lasseter. Mm-hmm. Thank you. John Lasseter, he has he has basically openly said before, Miyazaki is my god. Yeah. <laughs> like he he has openly admitted to the influence that Miyazaki has had on his his productions. I think it's um I mean Totoro is in Toy Story 3. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I'm so glad he doesn't talk. Yeah, I know. I would have been so viciously upset if he just had one little line that's like woody no no (laughs) totoro why um but yeah i I think uh for the most part anime's influence on western entertainment has been a, a good thing and i think it's kind of maybe culminated in pacific rim and and hit a fever pitch that could could kill it or could extend its lifespan. I mean, we, we could see more stuff like Pacific Rim, or this could be the end of it, because Pacific Rim uh, it has not been performing very well. Yeah. 
Um, as much as I as much as I enjoy the movie movie, and I do, I love I love Pacific Rim. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, it's, I think we should just talk about it right now. Okay, let's right. go there. Let's go there. So yeah, Pacific Rim, a uh, new movie by Guillermo del Toro. Um, very very much anime <laughs> all the way around. So uh, it basically tells the story of big robots, big monsters, punching and biting and fighting. Then credits. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's like a bunch of other stories. Not to oversimplify it, but there's really not more much more than I don't I don't think that's an oversimplification. <laughs> I think that's right about on target right there. But that's what I mean, I think that's what makes it so successful is that it it has no qualms about what it is. It never takes itself too seriously. It knows its dialogue is corny. It knows that its performances aren't good, and that's not the kind of movie that it's trying to be. It's not trying to be, you know, it's, the it, Godfather. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost, it almost has that recognition to to anime and comic books. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say and comic books, where it's almost like the attack move, zoom in camera on the face, cool like victory line, hair blowing in the breeze, like that kind of that kind of feeling to it where it's like no one in battle is going to stop and go and that's why you're out of this world <laughs> you know and and not that anyone actually says that but they could they and could it, it would, would have, fit it would fit yes. and so like that's that to me right there is an example of of how in the script they just they just went with it they just went with what they were trying to do because they said you know this is this is a comic book come to life. It's mm-hmm. going to be outrageous. It's going to be stupid. I think uh, it succeeds on a lot of levels um, simply because it knows how to take these these traditionally anime tropes and insert them into something that is very distinctly Western. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I think it's also interesting that it is it is a CG fest, but. It is so much a love letter to those old analog uh, practical effect shows with man in suit miniature city kind of stuff, the Godzilla movies and, and you know, all those big monster movies and Ultraman and all that stuff. Um, it's interesting how it can be a love letter to those old movies and old shows, but still be so full of like CG and things that, you know, it, it feels like one of those shows. But it's totally not one of those. I actually had a moment the other day when I was rewatching Thor mm-hmm. again, and and I thought back to Pacific Rim, and this is a little off topic, but well, no, I guess it it, it isn't completely. And I had that moment where I'm watching it, going, our movies, our our cinema live action movies, are becoming more and more fifty, sixty, seventy plus percent generated. Yeah. They're, they're becoming more and more and more animated generated. And I thought about that when I was watching Pacific Rim where there would be there would be spans of 10, 20 minutes in the movie where other than clips to the people in the robot moving, there none of it was real. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there was a, a bit of a backlash against CG uh, following the Transformers movies. And... Uh, I think that was kind of I think those those movies earned that backlash because those movies use CG they abuse CG in a way that I don't think I don't think Pacific Rim does and uh, 
not to say the Pacific Rim doesn't use as much CG as they do, but it, but the abuse is a, is a different type of abuse, I think. And that's that in Pacific Rim, every frame of action is painstakingly constructed so that you can see exactly what's going on. You can see exactly who is punching who, who is falling down, who is flying across the screen, and it's not just a jumbled mass of metal. Yeah. And that's what, that's what the Transformers movies are. You watch those action scenes, scenes and you cannot decipher what is going on. Well, that's because, and, and this is one of the things that I liked about it, and it almost reminded me of Ava in mm-hmm. this way, is that the robots had limits. They were slow. Which, of course, they would be. They're giant robots. Yep. And that's that's physics. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not we're not super. We're obviously we're in the future for the film, but we're not so far in the future that they're like, we just have this plasma energy that we found on the moon that makes things really light and we can shoot them really far. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they're, they're slow and that helps with with those sequences where you know what's going on and you mm. know what's happening and you know what's going on in the fight but the other thing that that it made me think of is it made me think of of like ava where one of the things that i've always said that i love about evangelion is that the robots have limitations mm. in a lot of the giant robot series gundam for example and i'm not hating on gundam don't attack me for this but for the most part, you never see a Gundam run out of energy. You never see a Gundam have to recharge. You never see a Gundam lose something practical. Right. They don't have limitations. And so, other than just getting beat up in battle, they they don't just fall apart normally in the series. But in Ava, the robots have to be... well robots mm, yeah, but yeah <laughs> uh, they have to be they have to be plugged in oh yeah yeah they have to be connected they have they have limitations yep. that that once those things are broken it, it has that realistic fe- feature that i liked in pacific rim that i saw that i could link to ava in that the robots weren't perfect there was that scene in the movie where they did lose power and of course it was like a robot is analog. <laughs> durr, durr. I don't know why. I which, was... which again is, I think, a, a, a total like uh, tip of the hat to those old shows that that did things practically. It's like we don't need this digital. St- Although the robot is in fact digitally created, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's strangely ironic how that works. But I think it's. Um, I don't know. It's apt. I, I love the way. I love the use of of CG in the film and especially how the action scenes are framed. I think that's kind of what sells this movie is how well the action works, you know, how heavy and significant the, these monsters and these, uh, and the robots feel how the Jaegers feel. Um, they feel weighty. They feel substantial. Speaking of Jaeger and someone already brought this up in the mm. chat, but, but it's going to be something that if you're, you're keeping up to date on your anime, you're going to think if you go see this movie, it is giant, massive creatures attacking. And there's the word Jaeger. What anime do you think of? Which which was weird to me, by the way, also that we hear that I've heard that word now like two times in the past you know, month or two, and I'm like, Am I learning German? Jaeger. Jaeger. before I knew that, Jaeger to me was just an alcohol. Right. Well, you know, I actually never knew what Jaeger meant until um 
until I had been hearing it all the time this this past yeah, two exactly. months or so. And I looked and I'm it like, up. It was like, oh, Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> but I definitely see the similarities between Pacific Rim and Attack on Titan. Obviously, Attack on Titan has come out at a point where unless Del Toro had scavenged manga racks, mm-hmm. it, it's not like he. I could really claim that he was influenced by it but i think if anything else it just goes to show you that this theme is very central to anime Mm. that this this notion this theme of there is something really big there is something really big that we don't really know anything about we don't really know where it comes from or why it's here but we know that it wants to mess our day up Mm -hmm. And it's coming to do that, and we have this kind of hopeless struggle to defeat it. Yeah. And and that, yes, of course you could say that theme is, is just so basic that it's going to be found anywhere, but I think the scale is what makes it central to anime over a lot of things that I've seen in Western media. Because when I, when I try to think of really big monsters in Western media... I have a hard time thinking of them. And the thing that you end up coming up with is just pulled straight out of Japan like the Godzilla movie. Yeah, or or King Kong, which I think King Kong is after the original Godzilla, so you could say that's even a... Uh, I think the first... I think King Kong came out before Godzilla. Really? Let's find out. King Kong was 1930-something, and Godzilla, I'm pretty sure, was 1950-something. Maybe even 55? I'm not, I can't I'll, I'll, I'll try to find out. Continue. Google it. But Google. No, yeah, I, I think you're definitely right about that. I mean, there, there are some even some very specific things um, that Pacific Rim does, places that it goes, and it goes there to announce to the more perceptive audience members that, yes, you are watching anime. Yes, you are. And this is why. <laughs> please, please, please enjoy it. Well, uh, you know, besides the obvious things like giant robots, you know, all all the robots have uh, their own cool designs and cool colors. And, and they... you, you are very correct, by the way. King Kong does predate Godzilla. What year was it? King Kong, the original was 1933 and the original Godzilla was 1954. Okay. So, so King Kong definitely predates it by... By a little bit. Though what I will say is is even if you could argue that it's a chicken and the egg where King Kong, King Kong might have even influenced Godzilla, Godzilla is on such a ridiculous scale compared to King Kong. Like, King Kong is big, but Godzilla is, like, stupid big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ridiculously big. And, and they... I think they, they understood... Uh, Guillermo del Toro understood that the size was so important, you know, the American Godzilla remake didn't really understand that. They were like, Oh, you know, it's a big, scary monster. He can walk through the city. That's fine. But, but the thing about these, these Kaiju and the, and the Jaegers in, in Pacific Rim is that they are, I mean, behemoths. They are so, so big. Can I just say as another example of Mm. just influence, the kaiju's name is kaiju. It's yeah. Japanese. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's and obviously yes. Of course, there's a Japanese woman. Uh, uh, Ninko Kikuchi uh, plays the lead female character. The only the only female in the, in the there's movie. There's the Russian. The Russian. Yes, the Russian. 
and as I, I believe actually Mitsuki's in the chat or he was and he he did mention that it it fails the Bechtel test and that's true although both female characters in the movie have names they'd never talk to each other and if they did they would have to talk about something other than a man but oh well <laughs> to be honest though as a female who watched that movie I'm not saying it's right and I don't want to get into a discussion on feminism because that's a whole nother topic but I just kind of accept that when I go see these films that's what it's going to be and and it's again I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying that acceptance is right either but it's not some I didn't find anything explicitly offensive about it mm. any more so than any other action movie in existence mm -hmm. So, so as far as failing the Bechdel test for me as a woman, like, yeah, I wish it didn't, of course, but it doesn't go in, it, it doesn't go to any pains to put female characters in the film in the first place. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think the Bechdel test needs to be used as a blanket summary of the quality of a film or how progressive it is, um, or how sexist, sexist it is or isn't. But you know, that, that aside, um, let me jump back into what what makes Pacific Rim anime. <laughs> so um, there is kind of a consistent leveling up of powers and prowess, and like they, they even number the kaiju based on how big yes. they are, how dangerous they seem to be. You know, you've got category one through five, and, you know, it seems like every time another one comes through the dimensional rift or whatever, um, that they're stronger. They're stronger every time, and they have to deal with a bigger and bigger and bigger threat. And that is very, very much anime. Um, calling out attack names like they straight up call out attack names like yeah. the, the Chinese guys and I think that 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 it manages to do it well without um, without seeming hokey because they put two pilots two or more pilots inside a Jaeger and you know it's about synchronization it's about communicating with each other so it's not just I'm gonna say super awesome thunder punch just because I need to say it. Yeah. Just because I've got so much energy inside me, I've got to release it. Super power thunder punch. Rah! And I thought that was very cool, by the way, because that was something that I'd never seen before, that notion of... Because they Neuralink with mm. the Jaeger. And in the beginning, they say that the Neuralink for one person is too much. And mm. so that's why there's two people. But I thought it was interesting because I, I can't think of any mech that requires two people. Right. Not not excluding like the Voltron or whatever, like mechs coming, coming together, together. <laughs> but like a single mech that requires two pilots. And and that to me was very original and cool. You know, there is a, a, a Japanese actress in the film that we mentioned. And yes, she does speak Japanese a little bit in the film. And some of the other actors speak Japanese randomly because, and, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, of course, her commanding officer, random military man of some country will will also speak Japanese because that's that's what people learn. And he al he also has like mysterious bleeding from his face disease, <laughs> <laughs> just like old grizzled man that's you know got a death sentence clearly. <laughs> but one one example that that I have ex like verbatim from the movie of this leveling up that we're talking about is is they were fighting a kaiju at one point and a bunch of people have died. <laughs> And right at the end, they're like, oh, by the way, we have a sword. <laughs> and, and it's just like, sword, go. And then. By the way, we have a sword because of course we do. <laughs> 
but then after that, the next time, the next time they go, the next time they go to fight the kaiju, they're already like holding their sword. And that to me is shonen right there. It's that we can't do this move. It's impossible to do this move. Kaioken four. <laughs> and then the next time that Goku goes to do Kaioken, he's like Kaioken four, like right away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you? And, and it's so clear that even, even though they have the pulse cannon after they reveal that they have the chain sword, it's the it's the most effective thing to use against the kaiju. It's like, why why weren't you using that the whole time? <laughs> I mean, but that's just like th- those are the plot holes that you expect from something like this. And I mean, strangely enough, and I I think that's why Pacific Rim works the way it does is that those are anime plot holes. Yeah, they I mean, even even the things that make it not a perfect narrative are there because that's that's prevalent in anime. I will say problems that I had with the film is, is there, and and I have, again, it's that plot hole that it's in anime, but I do have a problem with that in the sense of, why weren't you using this the whole time? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you go into a, a war zone with a pocket knife and you have an M16 strapped to your back and you're like, no, it's cool. I'll use it as a last resort. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. I have to be super badass to use this. <laughs> and so... And so, but even like their character sacrifices that that happen, not not to be too specific, you know, so, so that we don't spoil the the hell out of it. But there are character sacrifices that by the way, don't make sense. I'm I'm sorry. Kron in the chat is saying you can't use sword in the city because it's like firing a rocket launcher indoors. Did you see the destruction? <laughs> the wa- did, the did wanton we, destruction did, of the city. Did we watch the same movie just by virtue of the Jaeger being in the city, the yeah. wanton destruction that occurred? I don't subscribe to that theory that it's a not a good idea because mm. if anything, you could argue that, yeah, maybe if you use the sword in the city, it would be more destruction. But if it ended the fight quicker, mm. it would be more destruction combined to a smaller area than having the fight right. ramble across the city. One of the, one of my legitimate complaints about the film uh, and like every, like even plot holes and stuff I can't complain about because again, they are anime plot holes. That's where, yeah. you know, that's where they come from and they belong in this film, you know, love them or leave them that they belong here. But one of the things that I don't really think the film follows through on is that there's a line in the film where they talk about how, you know, uh, these monsters came from a different world. So to fight the monsters, they created monsters. Yeah. You know, and that's a really loaded word is, is, a, is monster, you know? Yeah. And they never really delve into that. And with as much wanton destruction as there is in the film and kind of how they play God by building these monsters that, that can cause so much destruction and, and, you know, loss of life, they never really delve into how the Jaeger, be having Jaegers affects, you know, people's day-to-day lives, like normal people and, you know, people who, who are, get caught up in the crossfire. The thing, the thing for me, though, with a movie like this is that the, the impression I got from the film is that it is such a desperate situation and obviously the Jaeger project is one of those, if this doesn't work, we're just dead. Mm. And that I feel like the average person is is unable to dislike the Jaeger because if you dislike them, that's basically saying, well, I just think we should give up and die. Yeah. But the only thing that really bothered me in the movie was right toward the end. And this is this is spoiler town. So I, I think we've been pretty good so far. So, More, so yeah. 
if if you're worried about spoiling the end part of the movie, step away for the next two or three minutes. But at the end of the movie, one Jaeger self-destructs in a and 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 I'll I'll try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible in that. One Jaeger self-destructs. Well, the first one is carrying a nuke. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's carrying a nuke and it self-destructs. Yes. And so it's like that I'm sacrificing myself for you type moment. And then the other Jaeger goes through the vortex. And the whole thing about going through the vortex is that they can't go through the vortex unless they have a kaiju with them because the kaiju is like the signal for the vortex to open. Reads its DNA like a barcode is what they say. Yes. That it goes through that it goes through the wormhole because it has the kaiju. Here's my problem. Halfway through the wormhole, one of the pilots of this Jaeger is safety potted away. Mm hmm. Which then part of me stops and goes, that's an option? Yeah. <laughs> why? Like, why did those other people sacrifice themselves then? And even the other people before that, why Why did they die? Mm-hmm. Like, if your Jaeger isn't moving and you're, <laughs> uh, that you have a pod. So... So that was one thing. That was one thing for me. And then the other one was uh, right at the end. So he's carrying the the Jaeger that goes through, goes through the vortex, and you see it go through with the kaiju. Mm. And you see the vortex close with the kaiju. Mm. And then pilot number two launches his escape pod. Back through the vortex. Back through the vortex without holding on to kaiju buddy. Right. And that that's one of those that I'm just like... It can't can't follow its own rules. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And and that was that was the the biggest thing. That was my biggest problem. Was was right toward the end where it was just one or two times like, I've already suspended my disbelief halfway to Egypt. No, you, you have to. <laughs> so, but but even then, it's like as it said, breaks its own rules. So, but that said, um, I I do love this movie. I think it's it's the best time I've had of the movies in a long, yeah. long time. And I hope it is the start of of more things like this in the West. I hope that we can get, you know, really good, you know, Western Hollywood adaptations of, of anime series and movies and, and things. Um, I would like to see Gundam done in Hollywood well. I would like to see yeah. it done well. I think that it, it's possible. Um, I think Ev- I think Evangelion's possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe a, a Western touch might clean up some of the thematic inconsistencies. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, um, Mitsugi did, was not a fan. No, but, but Mitsugi did admit, he did admit that he went into the movie with the wrong opinion. Oh, okay. He, 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 had a, he has admitted that he went into it expecting it to be a serious film. Oh, okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. So he went into it expecting it to be like like true like Gundam space drama seriousness. And it's not, and that's what I would say to anyone who's thinking of going and watching the film. It's good. It's fun. It's turn your brain off and and go along for the ride and have lots of fun, but it's not serious. I read this really great article about uh Pacific Rim uh right after we saw it and um 
you know, while Pacific Rim can be enjoyed in that way where it's where it is like a turn your brain off kind of movie, there's also things in it that make it not really a dumb movie. Like, you know, it's easy to say, oh, it's just big, dumb fun. Well, Transformers is a dumb movie. And that's kind of that's a point that this article makes is Transformers is an example of a really dumb movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But Pacific Rim is not really a dumb movie. It's not made like a dumb movie. Um, it knows when it needs to be dumb. It knows when it needs to fill in, you know, some of those those gaps with with dumb stuff um, to to make it feel like what it's trying to feel like. And it, I think it totally succeeds at that. But um, it is not constructed like a like like a dumb film. And uh, I, I I recommend everybody go read that article. I'm I'm sorry I can't remember who it's by, but if you Google like. Uh, why Pacific Rim is not a stupid movie or something like that, you should find it. It's a really good read, and, and um, uh, I, the author makes some good points. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say about Pacific Rim? Nothing Nothing other than it was it was something I enjoyed and something that I think other people can, can enjoy too. What about you, Cram? Any last thoughts? Um, I think I think everyone needs to go see it um, because it's it did not perform well in the states. And if we want to see more stuff like this, or if you, I mean, if if you want to see Guillermo del Toro, if you're a fan of him as a filmmaker and you want to see him make another movie that has a pretty big budget ever, uh, support this movie. <laughs> Even if you don't like it, support it because uh, I think he as a filmmaker um, needs the support. Um, but. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's all I've got to say. Uh, here's hoping that it performs better internationally and and on home video, but um, I'm sure it will. So what we're going to do now is uh, take a little news break, and when we come back, we will have impressions of Uchiulten Kazoku, Kamisama no Inai Nichiyobi, and reviews of Miyakawake no Kufuku and Dog Days. So stick with us, and we'll see you on the other side. you tofu delivery racers out there this is chiaki and this is your anime news break for those of you who are fans of the pokemon franchise or who are like me and have a special place in your heart for the nostalgia that that series has the pokemon company has recently posted a promotional video on youtube with character information for pocket monsters the origin television anime special The promotional video was shown at the Pokemon Game Show event held at the Tokyo Big Sight Event Center. The main character of the show is a boy named Red, who has a Charmander, or if you're fans of the Japanese names, Hitokage, and his rival is named Green. If you're old enough to remember, Red and Green are the original default names in the first video games. Another news while you're on YouTube checking things out, just for some wacky fun, Japanese publisher Kodansha has recently posted a video with a time-lapse footage of sand artist Toshihiko Hosaka creating an Attack on Titan sculpture at a beach here in Japan. The time-lapse spans the 10 days it took to build the sculpture, which was made with more than 80 tons of sand. Hisoka created the sculpture to commemorate the release of the manga's 11th volume, which shipped on August 9th. 
In other news, if you're like me and are a fan of artists and their compilations known as art books, publisher Katakoa Shoten will be publishing a collection of artwork from the late director Satoshi Kon's films this year. It should be published on December 26th. It will include over 150 images from the director's works, including storyboards, paintings, and sketches. You can get all this retail for 3,500 yen, which is about 36 US dollars. If you're a fan, Fukun.com will be reprinting Kon's Tone, The Road to Millennium Actress, an essay by Kon himself, also this year. And the Japan television station Wow Wow will be holding a marathon of all of his works. They will wrap up on August 23rd, as August 24th marks the three year anniversary of Satoshi Kon's death. Finally, for you listeners in Canada, the Toronto International Film Festival has posted on, again on YouTube, a subtitled trailer for Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli's The Wind Rises. The festival has already announced that it will host the North American premiere as part of its programming next month. So if you're in Canada and can get to Toronto, that would be something I personally wouldn't miss. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon. Hey, Steve Bloom here, voice of Spike Spiegel, Vincent Valentine, Leron from Gurren Lagan, Gilman from Digimon, and a bunch of other crap. And I am a total anime addict, dude. <laughs> Tune in, or else. And welcome back to the 190th session of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We are going to get into impressions of、uh, some shows from this current season, the summer season 2013, and a couple of reviews from last season. Was, was your review from last season? Was it? It was from a while ago. From a, from a few seasons ago, was it? It was a while ago. <laughs> Uh, so, the impressions we're going to do are of Uchol Ten Kazoku. I will be、uh, tackling that. And Tiaki's going to do Kami Sama Noi Nai Nichiyobi. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll、okay. go first. So, Kami Sama Noi Nai Nichiyobi, or God Abandoned the World on Sunday, something like that is, is the translation, is an anime that is an extreme example of genre classing, clashing. The story is that God makes the world, and the world is, is going on. Type of thing. And at some point, God decides that the world is a failure and that heaven is too full and hell is too full and, and the world is, is just a failure. And so God abandons the world. But before God abandons the world, the last thing he does is he gives the world grave,、uh, grave, grave,、uh, grave keepers, grave diggers. What are they called? Grave, grave. Diggers? What? The person, the, the person who digs. Just, okay, great. Great digger. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. I don't remember if there's a, a fancier word, but that person. And so they, they go into the world, and <clears throat> that's the last thing that God, the last miracle that God gives to the world. And basically, it's a kind of it's a zombie show, which surprised me a little bit. But what I mean by that is that. Since God has abandoned the world, people can no longer die. If 
if you're shot in the face, you will eventually come back to life. But it's not like a zombie show in that you lose your memories and you're just like, ah, brains. But it's a zombie show in that you come back to life and you will keep living, but your mind will slowly become corrupted and your body will slowly rot because you're no longer actually living. And the only way that you can truly die is if a grave digger buries you. By by the gr one of the grave diggers burying you, it will actually make you die. And the grave diggers, because they're these these creatures sent by God, there's one point where the grave digger is like the a person says, What's your name? And the grave digger says, Scar. And and the they're like, What's what's your real name? And then the grave digger goes through all these names like Angel of Death, Shinigami, uh Grim Reaper, all, all these type of names that throughout history have been names for the mythical undertaker, we'll say. And so the whole idea is that these gravekeepers or gravediggers are these supernatural beings that exist in the world. So our main character is a gravedigger and she's nine, I think she says. Hmm. Like I said, Johnny hmm. Clashing. Hmm. Nine, um, nine years old. And she's hmm. nine or maybe seven. I think it's nine. And when her mother dies, she becomes the grave digger of the town. And it's it's basically dumped that grave diggers are not supposed to be able to have kids. And so for some reason, she's a half breed of humans and grave diggers. And that's why she doesn't have the normal grave digger qualities is because she's a half breed. And... People are saying nine and twelve. I don't know. She's young. She's she's younger than than fifteen, because as as Crom points out in the chat that yes, God abandoned the world fifteen years ago. So the fact that she's younger than fifteen is important because when God abandoned the world, people stopped being able to have babies. Also, people stopped giving birth, like children of men. Like children of men. Um. So. So yes, so she's younger than that point, which makes her which makes her special. Here are my problems with the series. First episode, guy comes into the town that she she she's never known anything else. I think it was nine or seven, maybe when her mother died. Maybe that's what I was thinking. So she's lived in this town by herself. Guy comes in, calls him like himself the moving toy, something something something. I don't really even care, and kills everyone. Everyone in her town, crazy, psychopathic, serial killer-esque guy, kills everyone. She has to bury everyone in her town. So what does she do? I think I'm going to follow you. <laughs> That's what she does. That's what she does. Okay, yeah, she has that moment where she's like, how dare you? How could you? But then she follows him on his journey. So you're saying I should watch this show. And then she gives him cookies later. <laughs> she gives him mother effing cookies. Oh, my God. She's like, you killed the only people who have ever taken care of me. Here's a cookie. Like, like no, no. And and it that's what I'm saying. It's genre clashing. There's Lolly Con. She's young and she falls on her face and she's with a guy who says he's like 30 something. And it's stupid. It's stupid, and it frustrates me because it doesn't have to be stupid. The, the premise surrounding the show, when there's exposition and story of this universe, I'm actually kind of interested in it. 
it's it's a new take on zombies to me and it's cool it's cool and and yes there is the christian babble that you get of <laughs> we don't really know how this religion works but it's cool looking Th this is how god works right god made the earth in seven days so so it's <laughs> it has that aspect to it but but then it's just Lollicon happy, fun time, go! I'm gonna point a gun to your face. You wanna eat dinner? Like <laughs> <laughs> anyways. So so my I don't I'm just gonna do a blanket thing and say this is gonna be one of those shows that's just gonna be frustrating because it has potential and it decides to be Lollicon bullshit. So I'm I'm not I'm not going to to really recommend this to anyone. Wait wait until I review it and and we'll see if it just just rant and rant. <laughs> we'll see if it if it saves itself or and if it, it does this and piss me off in this way and this way and this way. One out of five. <laughs> it, it would be like it would be like someone comes into your house, kills everyone you've ever loved, your parents, your your wife, your cat. Yeah. And you're really super pissed at them, but then eventually you go, well, I have nowhere else to be now. Can I come along with you? Here's a cookie. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's reasonable. <laughs> it's reasonable. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Well, that, that's, that's good. I, I think my impression is, uh, is of something maybe a little bit better. <laughs> maybe a lot better. <laughs> uh, I, I, even though there are six episodes out, I've only watched the first three of Uchulten Kazoku, uh, which uh, the official English title, I believe, is The Eccentric Family, and I think it's streaming on Crunchyroll? Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, right off the bat, the first thing that anyone will notice about this show is that it has an amazing sense of style and color. It is one of the most stylish shows I've seen in a long time, and uh, it really kind of uh, uh, lives and dwells in, in its own style, and uh, and I think it, it kind of uh, accepts what it looks like with grace because shows like this don't come out so often, and when they do, I don't think they're typically very successful. I think it, the the look turns a lot of people off because it is kind of cartoony. Like it, it does lean on the cartoony side of the uh, of the anime spectrum, but I think it's a great looking show. It looks really, really fantastic. Um, uh, and of course, it's PA Works, so PA Works knows what they're doing. They, I, I think they had the best looking show from last season uh, with Red Data Girl, and um, I, I think that they probably have the best looking show of this season too with uh, with the eccentric family. Um, but the story, uh, let me let me read you a a little summary, the plot summary. The Shimogamo Yasuburo is a Tanuki who is the third son of the Shimogamo family who lives in Kyoto, along with humans, Tanuki and Tengu. So one day, Yasuburo's father is eaten as a hot pot by human members of a group known as the Friday Club. As Yasuburo takes care of his teacher, an old Tengu, uh, fights with other Tanukis and plays with a psychic human girl, Yasuburo approaches the truth about his father's death. So, um, you know, the show is already getting into uh, ideas of, of family uh, and um, uh, what's the word? Um, loyalty mm. <laughs> yeah it was a tough word um, you know family loyalty and it is even a little bit soapy like soap opera ish in <laughs> that you know family loyalty uh, kind of 
pits you against other families at times. There are, you know, other families of, of Tanuki or Tengu and, and these groups tend to stay separated or they should. Uh, and it, it kind of talks about the dangers of, you know, uh, mingling with old enemies, um, but also that that can be a good thing that, that 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 there can be redemption that comes with that, and that that's what I see in the show so far with the first three episodes, um, and I think it's doing a really good job of that. I, the one thing that became really clear to me watching these first three episodes is that when you're dealing with something that's so steeped in tradition and culture, uh, something like mythology, uh, it has it runs the risk of feeling dry mm. and stilted when you're, when you're working with something that is so much a part of uh, the public consciousness that, you know, something like mythology, like, like Japanese mythology, because you ask any Japanese person and they're like, yeah, Tengu, I know Tanuki. Yeah. They transform. Yeah. I know that stuff. It's, it's the same as uh, like the story of Johnny Appleseed or something, you know, to, to an American. So if you ask someone, you know, would you be interested in seeing a Johnny Appleseed movie? They'd be like, no, that sounds boring as shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's how people generally feel about, you know, folktales of of their own culture. And that's why when things are made in Japan, and I I think, uh, granted, you know, Japanese production companies tend to delve into these historically relevant things more often than, than people in the West do entertainment outlets in the West do. But I think more often than not, it does end up kind of dry even to someone who has grown up and and is, has most of their life experiences outside of that culture. So even when I watch, you know, an old Samurai movie or something like that, or a a movie, a a Japanese anime that has a lot of uh, traditional folklore mythology to it or, or in it, it's, it's usually kind of boring, <laughs> but I think that this show really, really makes it work because it's not about Tanuki. It's not about Tengu. They just happen to be placeholders for what we would consider, you know, maybe not a caste system, but, you know, th- there's there's a segregation in this world. And I, and mm. I think that they they work with it really well. Um, But, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on on the impression I think everybody should watch this show I think it's probably going to end up being something really cool um it does deal with some um some more progressive themes I think like trans transgenderism is is dealt with in a way that is not at all Ranma one half like the fact that the the main character likes to sometimes transform into a female instead of a male is just like yeah it's just what he likes to do that's okay Hmm. so yeah everybody go watch this show it's great all right can I can I do this review first? I'd like to get it out of the way. Sure. So my review is an anime called Dog Days. Dog Days apostrophe or Dog Days 2 or sometimes called Dog Days Dash or sometimes called Steaming Pile of Crap. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, you went there. I'm just going to you know, put it right out there that this is what this review is going to be. This is an anime that came out in... It started airing in July of last year. <laughs> wow. 12 episodes. So uh, finished, finished. Did you marathon it or were you like one episode at a time? And you're like, I can't do it. Just just, just this one. Just 30 minutes of my life. And I'll watch another one next month. <laughs> that's that's closer to, to how I got through it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> though, though there was... The, the way I finished was a, a final push, a final marathon... 
but uh it it definitely was involved some rewatching of what's this again oh yes nothing so <laughs> dog days is set after the events of the original dog days did i see the original dog days no oh god does it matter <laughs> no, no. The main character, Shinku, is re-summoned to the world of Flonyad with his friend, Rebecca. So in the original Dog Days, he's summoned to the world to basically be their hero and help them fight a battle. And he's like, I gotta get back because I promised my friend I'd spend the last three days with them break with her. And he gets sent back. And then this story takes place three months after that. But guess what? What? His cousin Nanami is also summoned, but she's summoned to champion a different city because one city was like, oh, this is really cool that we are summoning people from Earth. Let's summon other people. And the world that they're being summoned to is this fantasy world that is fantasy anime. That's all you need to if. Let's play a game, Cram. Okay. Let's play a great game. I like games. Tell tell me something that you think would be in a fantasy anime world. It can be an item. It can be a person. It could be a look of a person. It could be a hairstyle. Whatever you think. A sword. Yep. Uh, an elf. Oh, yeah. Uh, magic. Actually, not elves as much. Something elf-ish. They're cat... They're 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 dog girl dog girls and cat girls and things like that. Like it's the dragons, the cat city versus the dog city and things like that. Dragons. I don't really remember a dragon. You're you're thinking too true fantasy, not oh, yeah. anime fantasy. Oh, remember, right. oh, okay. this is um, anime's version of fantasy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Gender swapping. I don't think there's gender swapping, but there is. There is. It's it's stupid. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the, there is really floofy frou frou dresses that are like magical girl esque. It it is what you would think. They have they have cat ears. They have dog ears. They have tails. They have neon hair. They're wearing like princessy floo floo dresses. They're they're sitting in castles and eating tea cakes. And yes, it's kind of fun because it is that kind of like. It reminds me of what a. F- seven-year-old would write if a seven-year-old wrote fantasy there's a floating island he's gonna get summoned from earth oh my god so why do they get summoned from earth why because there is a battle but it's not just any type of battle it's a battle for sport so all of these countries are coming together with their heroes and their armies to battle for sport but it's like flu-flu battling. It's like if you get like whacked in the face, you like are still okay. A skirmish, if you will. Uh, if if you will. So they get brought over to do this flu-flu battle thing, and there's commentators and the comment like video cameras that are broadcasting it to the country and things like that. And there's it's like a sporting event. Think of it like a sporting event more than a battle. And so that happens. And uh, then a bunch of other crap happens. How long do I have to keep doing this? You can can rate it right now (laughs) if you want. This this anime is a perfect example of doing nothing. 
This mm. anime is a perfect example of doing nothing and saying nothing and having a goal to do that and accomplishing that goal. Where at the end of the day, you go, did I, did I watch something? Or did I just smear neon color and tea cake and lace fabric on my face? Because <laughs> I think it was the latter. I hated this anime. <laughs> this Dog anime was days. awful. <laughs> There, there was, there was no. What is the title or reference to? What is the dog days? Is it just because a dog day is like a bad day, isn't it? Well, I, I believe it's a reference to the fact that the people of the kingdom are like dog people and cat people and stuff. Oh. The, if you can call this show as having a plot, that would be impressive to me. Hmm. I'm really not sure if if they thought of a story or if they were just like bright colors go um yeah i'm just i'm just gonna just just it gets it gets a one and a half out of five wow brutal this this anime and the only the singular reason the singular reason why i didn't give it like a point five or some shit like that is because it was entertaining, number one. There were points that I went, ha ha, this is ridiculous, but in like kind of a fun way. And the other reason was the fact that when I watched the show, I knew that it wasn't trying to do something. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm going to give it a low score. I'm going to give it a low, low score. But but the reason why it's getting a 1.5 instead of a point is because I know that it wasn't trying to be something. I know it didn't set out trying to be something and just fail. So uh, It just isn't anything. It didn't fail it. You can't fail at something you never try to do. Exactly. But I had to watch it, so I'm just going to spite it and give it a 1.5. And and this is an anime that I know is someone's out there. This is their guilty pleasure. Mm. I can see that. This, this can be your guilty pleasure, and you can love it, and you can give it a 5, and you might hate me for hating it. But it's not my guilty pleasure. And that's what this show is. It's, it's a for guilty somebody pleasure. probably. It, it's, it, is, it is a straight call to the true otaku. Man, I, I feel like my, my review is going, to, it's going to follow suit. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm going to review Mia Kawake no Kufuku, um, which is the spinoff of Lucky Star, uh, following the daily life of Hikage Miyakawa and her older sister Hinata. Hinata is an otaku who works at a doujin shop, but unfortunately for them, Hinata can't help but spend all her money on manga, making their life together very difficult. Hikage doesn't understand her sister's impulses and gets frustrated easily. Uh, This is very, very much a slice of life, kind of otaku pandering uh, type show. Um, it is produced by uh, Encourage Films and Ordet uh, and was streamed right here on Ustream. That's how it was distributed. Wow. Yep. <laughs> uh, directed by Yutaka Yamamoto, who, of course, directed Lucky Star, Kanagi Crazy Shrine Maidens, and Wake Up Girls. Uh, the music is by Kenichi Mayamada. The th- and he, he did a theme song arrangement and lyrics for Dragon Crisis, Kuroko's Basketball, and Bodacious Space Pirates. But this, I believe, is his first uh, full score, if you can call it that. It's it's ten episodes, of and they're five-minute episodes, so it's one of those shows. Oh. Um, 
you know, the the show is, um, like I said, it's slice of life, otaku pandering. Uh, the synopsis is basically all the show is. Like that's that's all there is to it is. Uh, the older sister buys manga and they have to not eat for a day or something like that. But it's it's always really cute and she's she's so precious and she pissed. loves her <laughs> mangas. Be, I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, out. Yeah, the little out. sister does get pissed. She's like, why do you do this to me? I, I gotta eat. And like, oh well, <laughs> buy more figures. I got to eat the ramens. And oh, God. Um, <laughs> and the yakisobas, but you buy the mangas and you takes it in the house. I don't know. Did anyone else watch this? I'm, I'm talking to the chat. If, if you if you also watched this, um, I'd be interested to know. But did anyone else watch Dog Days? Did anyone else yeah. realize that was crap? <laughs> so uh, the show constantly kind of takes pot shots at itself regarding how little money the main characters have, as though that is a reflection of the show's production budget. Like even like the the running joke in the final and the the ending theme is that they can't finish the theme song because they don't have enough money. And then eventually they get to finish it. Like every episode, they get farther and farther before the music stops. That actually sounds kind of clever, though. It it, it does, but I think it's it reflects <laughs> poorly on the show because the show does kind of look shitty. <laughs> um, it is it, it is pretty janky, but it's it's mostly just still shots. Of course, there's no action in the show or anything like that. Um, um, it, it's it looks cheap, but not really ugly. It's you know, certainly not a series that lends itself to big action set pieces or, you know, other expensive elements. Uh, the jokes at the show's expense feel appropriate, but somehow equally like a cop out. Like, you know, yeah, we're a cheap show. Get over it. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's nothing here for anyone that is, isn't a hardcore fan of Lucky Star or the slice of life genre, because that's all this is. But, you know, I don't know. There's just there's nothing here. I, I may have never seen an, I, I've never seen a show with less to say. Probably, uh, the dangers of media. Have you watched Dog Taste? I know, right? <laughs> I'm feeling like like we're reviewing the same thing. The dangers of media fanaticism are at the core of the narrative, but are never more than a driving force behind the flimsy trajectory of each five minute episode. Hinata's irresponsible spending habits are nary more than acute idiosyncrasy that the supporting characters, primarily her sister, have to deal with. You know, for a comedy, it isn't very funny. As a light tragedy, it isn't particularly relatable. As a piece of entertainment art, it isn't very artistic or entertaining. Cram, this anime isn't worth you using big words like idiosyncrasy. <laughs> it's not even worth those big words, those 25 cent words. The thing that she do because <laughs> she do it is meaning of idiosyncrasy. <laughs> um. I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I hated the show because I just don't have that strong of an emotion about it. That's because you didn't have to watch 12 30 minute episodes of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, if, if it had been longer and just. But I mean, the thing is that I like Lucky Star. Mm. But I feel like Lucky Star does a lot more with its characters. I think it develops its characters. Um, I think it puts them in interesting situations. Uh, and, you know, you, you learn who they are as people. Um, through their conversations, but this is just 10 five minute episodes where they do the same thing over and over again. She spends money on manga in a, you know, on a different day and her little sister gets mad. That's it. Like it's, it's just nothing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, one and a half, uh, pink Haru's out of five. <laughs> oh, snap. We had two one and a halves today. Yep. 
Mitsugi wasn't even on the episode. <laughs> wow. Well, we. I think that was good though. Um, we uh, we totally destroyed two shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not, not totally. Not we didn't of, give them ones or point five. One of one of the old we old sayings we used to have for the show before our our official we make your anime addiction worse is is we watch the crap so you don't have to yeah <laughs> yep so but anyway um that brings us to the end of the 190th session of the anime addicts anonymous podcast uh 10 more episodes and we're gonna hit 200 that's exciting we really need to have a party yeah yeah we should uh i think we've got a drinking game podcast coming up soon yeah we do which is is going to be a party because we're going to get cronked before <laughs> noon yeah day drinking <laughs> oh man <laughs> um as always you can find us at www.aaapodcast.com on itunes where we'd really appreciate it if you left us a, a little rating and a review uh, on facebook at facebook.com forward slash anime addicts anonymous podcast and on twitter twitter.com forward slash aaa podcast or just search for us uh, at sign aaa podcast and you can find us of course every saturday night at 9 30 p.m eastern standard time right here on ustream.tv for those of you who are in the live chat we would like to thank you for joining us it's it is, always a pleasure it is it is always a pleasure to talk to uh, to all of you and lovely. disagree Ladies and gentlemen, yes. <laughs> Talk to and disagree with you. <laughs> uh, taking us out tonight will be the song Hachimitsudoki from the anime Servant X Service by the artists Ai Kayano, Mai Nakahara, and Aki Toyosaki. And we will see all of you next week. So take care. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. that the show is over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash anime.